For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? What's up, Syracuse fans? It's Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, with episode 37 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with Kyle F. to talk about pain, pain, and more pain. Kyle, how did it happen again? Mike, we are who we thought they were. <laughs> or we are who we thought we were. That is, that's what I meant with that. I, I screwed up the comment, too. It's, it's a painful day. It's a, it's a painful hour. The hour of reckoning has come for Jim Beheim. I think that's I what mean, this is. We, we out. It's funny because we outline, you know, different segments or different topics that we're going to discuss um, each episode just to give our listeners a little insight. And I usually come up with those. I send them off to Kyle, give him a little heads up um, or if he has anything to add or any issues or doesn't want to talk about something, whatever the case is. My first topic on this week's episode was simply pain because yeah. I can, don't I know. Can I can confirm. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain what happened. And we'll give a, a here's my brief recap outside of just the word pain. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired head coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Syracuse controlled 95% of the game. Uh, they were the better team for 95% of the game. Then the final minute happened. Syracuse had a 10-point lead with two minutes to go. They had a seven-point lead with a minute 10 to go, a five-point lead with a minute to go. And then they turned it over three times in the final minute. Complete and utter catastrophe, collapse of epic proportions. Miami scores multiple times cuts the lead down to one Cole Swider has the ball with under 30 seconds to go. There's no shot clock. So 
essentially Miami in most situations, most teams foul right away to try to prolong the game. Miami said, screw that. We're going to keep trying to pressure and go for the steal, even though the ball had gotten past half court and Cole Swider fumbles the ball. um, And Charlie Moore picks it up for Miami races down the other end of the court, buddy Bayheim with an actually a very smart play fouls him before the shot. And so therefore he gets a one and one instead of a two shot foul, at least initially that looked like a smart play ended up being, you would have rather have had that be in the act of shooting. And here's why more misses the first free throw. And because it's a one and one, the ball is live. Miami gets the rebound as Jordan Miller gets it over John Bola Jacques and lays it in for what would prove to be the game winning bucket. Had that been a two shot foul, the miss would have been a dead ball. He comes up and takes his second free throw and he's a good free throw shooter. Likely hits the second one. Now you're tied with about 15 seconds to go. And Syracuse can call timeout and hold for the last shot of the game. Completely different scenario. So what initially looked like a smart play ends up coming back to bite him in the butt. Now, if Syracuse had rebounded the ball, then you pretty much have complete control again. And even despite all the craziness, um, you're probably going to escape with a win or at worst in overtime. Instead, the craziness continued. And then Joe Girard races down the other end of the court, throws up a wild shot, misses. Instead of trying to find Buddy or Cole or somebody else, he tried to play hero ball. The shot misses. Miami gets fouled. They make two free throws. Jimmy Beheim actually had a decent look at a three at the buzzer that would have tied it. And he misses. Syracuse loses. As we said, pain Uh, Syracuse was up by 18 at one point in this game, just like they were the first time they played. They dominated the game. They out rebounded Miami. They made eight more threes than Miami, seven more free throws than Miami Um, only turned it over one more time. Despite those late game situations, almost everything went Syracuse's way, except interior defense in the second half was terrible. And even with that, with Miami shooting 63% in the second half, scoring 49 points in the second half. Syracuse had a lead in the final minute and should have been able to close that out without much drama. Mm -hmm. Mike, do you remember what we discussed in the first couple episodes of us talking, talking basketball this season? Do you remember what the main note was from those Syracuse games and kind of how the game went from first half to second half? Yes. I remember talking specifically about how, Syracuse was so much better in the first half defensively, offensively. And then in the second half, it went completely the other way. Yes. Well, in this game, uh, we outscored them by 11 in the first, and then they outscored us by 14 in the second. Uh, and to quote the, the late Johnny cash, uh, you can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, uh, God will cut you down. AKA the bill comes due for this Syracuse team. The problem we'd had most of the season, the thing that we had talked about for the first half, it was there. The problem was there. And finally, for this Q's team, the bill came due. And this was the game where it happens, where we had said, 
going to that last game, that last stretch of games, Notre Dame, Duke, UNC, Miami, Miami was the one we could win and we should win. But the big but is this Syracuse team has had problems all year. And we put off a lot of those things and we kind of pushed them to the side because we started playing really well. But those problems still existed. And they existed, especially when you were without Samir Torrance, Jesse Edwards, Benny Williams. That is especially when that problem arises. And finally, the bill came due for Cuse, came due for Jim Beheim, It came due for the fan base because we've been really lucky to have really good teams for quite a long time. It's been really nice. But this was the year that the whole the pyramid collapsed. It's finally when the Jim Beheim is the greatest coach ever and nothing's better than it. It finally caved in. And I, I'm not that I'm not mad. I, we should have expected it at some point. We got we were on a pedestal and we thought we were untouchable as Q's fans. Nope, not the case. It's just pain. Utter, utter pain and and the same issues that plagued Syracuse all season were exactly why they collapsed in the final minute it was the lack of being able to face uh pressure full court pressure now in fairness Miami did pressure Syracuse most of the second half and Syracuse largely broke the press without much of an issue got into their offense etc um Syracuse struggled to shoot inside the arc all game um, they were just four for 19 from two in the second half and just nine for 35, which is around 25% for the whole game. They shot well from the outside, did not shoot well from the inside. And Mike, and- if I can quickly add on that, and obviously this game is a bit of a microcosm in terms of this team and specifically the rotation and who played when, because obviously it was a six man rotation. Basically, John Boljak got a minute. We don't count that. Uh, it was Swider 39, Jimmy 40, Barama 15, Joe 40, Buddy 40. Obviously without Samir, without Benny, and without Jesse. But the big thing, again, we discussed early, was that there was no bench. This team was short and not in height. Yes, a little bit in height sometimes, but short rotationally. That even with everyone playing at their best. We only played a six, maybe seven minute rotation at best. And this is where that shows is when you have injuries, you need to have a ninth guy, a 10th guy that can come in and play even like par, even on par. If they shoot a plus 10 in a round of golf, I would take that right now. But all of these guys on that bench, I love Patty Casey. He is a King. He's shooting a plus 40. If he comes in, not a plus 10. That's not what we need. We need a plus 10, not a plus 40. And it's, it's an issue. And I think so many people forgot about it. And we did because we discussed how Benny played well against Duke and how Frank stepped up with Jesse out and Brahma was back and we got all excited, but when a team gets hurt and yes, it's the last game of the season. We had three players out. Okay. Whatever. There was nothing. There was not a single player they could bring off that bench that was going to bring a spark. There was not a single one. I'm fairly confident we could go out there and have the same impact they did. That is where we were at. It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. 
beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. And, and the, the, there's, there's two things I'll comment on that. First of all, um, I want to note that Barama Sidibe got a start over Frank Anselm. Um, it was senior day and he's a senior. So he, he got the start. Uh, Frank played more minutes. Um, so Frank was technically the bench guy here, even though Barama typically is, I'm not sure it really matters which one's considered the bench guy, which one isn't. But the other side of it is, you know, Syracuse hasn't used a long rotation all season, but they've played eight guys in basically every game. Um, Benny being the eighth guy, sometimes he'll play five minutes or less, but he's there and he's available and you can throw him in. Someone gets into foul trouble. You can throw him out there. They didn't have that option in this game. So when things are going bad, you don't have the option of taking Joe out and putting Samir in because the ball handling is, is going you don't have the the option of, oh, you know, Barama looks like he's laboring a little bit. Let me throw Jesse back out there. Um, it, you know, so a team that that doesn't go deep into its bench anyway, now you're that much thinner. And so the 40 minutes from Jimmy, Joe, and Buddy, they didn't really have any other choice other than in this game because of those injuries. So it puts you behind the eight ball um from from both sides of that um the other thing i'll say is buddy had a tremendous game 30 points lights out it was just he was shooting phenomenal 30 points he becomes the acc's regular season scoring champ um but you know joe had some moments where he shot the ball well he was four for nine from three he made some some good shots there but he had two turnovers. Cole Swider was off all game. He had four turnovers. Um, and again, some some bad turnovers in, in clutch moments in that final minute. Joe had one where he was double teamed trying to bring the ball up the court and dribbled it off his leg. It's a turnover. Um, it was just too much of that. And it ruined a game where Syracuse largely played pretty well and well enough that they should have been able to beat a good team. So... Yeah, but again, that's that was another thing that we kind of skated around for most of the beginning of the season because Joe played well, and we had a game or two where Cole played well or where Jimmy played well. But again, there was no help scoring with Buddy. It was just a Buddy Beheim show. That's what we had at the end of last season in the entire run of the tournament. That's what we had again here is there was not someone, even if they were having an average day, where I would trust them to score the ball well or to help Buddy and all. That Joe, super streaky. Cole, super streaky. Jimmy, weird, reliable-ish, but again, streaky. Buddy was the only one you knew consistently would get you but would get you points. That was about your only reliable source. And at the end of that game, again, as you said, they should have tried to get it to Buddy, try to get it to Cole. But realistically, it was only that Buddy, the ball should have, it should have been in his hands, only his hands. But we all knew Miami would know that and would try quadruple teaming him and say someone else is going to have to beat us. And we don't have someone that could beat that. Joe clearly couldn't do it. Cole 
off night, Cole, Jimmy, and Joe made a combined 10 shots. They shot the ball 39 times. I'm sorry, that is not good enough in a park and rec league to win a game. It's just not. Nope. It's been a problem all year. And again, we push it off to the side. when We played well because we thought, oh, we'll be fine. But when a game like this happens where you need more scorers and nobody is scoring the ball outside of your only guy, this is what happens. And again, we should have expected it. We should have. Yeah. And the, and the streakiness comment is, is dead on because um, Cole, the day, the game before had a career game with 36 points and he was seven of 11 from three. Uh, He was just fantastic. North Carolina didn't know what to do with him. And then he comes in this game and he's two for nine and scores six points. Um, so he scores 42 points over two games. That's 21 points a game. You think, uh, well, if he's scoring 20 points a game to go along with buddy, that's a pretty good one, two punch. The problem is it's not split 19 and 23. It's split 36 and six. So yeah, he almost carries you to a win against North Carolina, but then his inability to score, you know, hurts you against Miami. Now that said, Syracuse still scored 72 points. I mean, they, there were issues defensively. There were issues offensively. It ultimately came down to the inability to handle the ball. And that's been an issue all season when teams pressure Syracuse, they turn it over. And then rebounding has been a large issue for different stretches of the season. And while Syracuse out-rebounded Miami overall in this game, it was a critical inability to box out on a missed free throw that instead of getting a rebound, being able to go to the free throw line to hit a couple free throws, put yourself up three with 10 seconds to go. And you feel like at worst, you're going to overtime in that scenario because of your inability to box out, they get a rebound, an easy put back. And now they're in the lead and everything is just unraveling. So all of those things come back to bite Syracuse in the butt. And here's, here's the, what the end result is. The reality is instead of, Figuring out a way, despite perhaps the worst season or what is the worst season of the Jim Beheim era, and still figuring out a way to get to a winning record because you beat Miami, you're one game over 500. You beat Florida State, you're two games over 500. Florida State in the ACC tournament. Then you lose to Duke, which everyone expects. You're one game over 500. There's been some suggestion that Syracuse might not accept a postseason berth, even in the NIT. So your streak is preserved and everything's all good. Instead, now you have to beat Florida State and Duke just to have a 500 season because you could lose the next game. You you would then have to beat Florida State, Duke, and whoever your next opponent would be in order to guarantee a winning season. So it it's re- there's the the discussion has been there all season on Syracuse and getting to a lose you know preserving that winning season streak and is this going to be the first losing season that Bayheim's ever had after that game it's smacked everyone right in the face that yep that's exactly where we're at even those that have said nope they'll figure it out those that have said I think that's where it's going to end up now it's reality it's here and on top of that. 
it's when he's got both of his sons on the team, which makes it even worse. It was and, and I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this before I let I let uh, Kyle jump in here, which is um, I, I was at the game. I covered the game. I went into the locker room after the game. I've been into locker rooms after Syracuse has lost NCAA tournament games. Those are not fun. Players are dejected. It almost feels like you don't belong in there. Like you should just let them have their space. Um, this felt way worse than that. This was uh, now I have not been to a final four NCAA war, you know, championship game loss, but I have been to NCAA tournament losses and, and conference tournament losses. This felt worse than that. It just, the, the vibe in the locker room, the feeling, I mean, the players just had this look of, they, they just could, did not understand what had just happened. Um, you know, Cole Swider has been unbelievably professional all season with answering questions and he takes the hard questions and he gives you thoughtful answers. And he was giving you two or three word answers and then stopped talking as he was just, he just did, you know, lost for words. Um, you know, Buddy was clearly extremely frustrated, understandably so. Um, same with Jimmy. And and even Coach Beheim looked more agitated than normal during the post-game press conference. It was just a strange vibe in there afterwards. And just, uh, you know, I think the reality of all of that, all of those things that we just talked about was setting in with them as well. It was. And normally, at least when you get to the Final Four, the tournament, at least you can have some sense of we made it here. Not everyone gets to at least say they made it here. but when you're in the season and you, you, you go 15 and 16, anyone could be there. Realistically, any team in the NCAA could be where you are right now. You're not special. You didn't do anything. I, there was a sense of safety amongst the Q's team. I feel like at some point in this season, this team felt like we'll figure it out. We'll be fine. We'll win enough games. We'll get to the tournament. We always do that. And even if we miss out, we'll miss out by, oh, we were on the bubble and we were the, the, the last four out or first four out or whatever. Some Joe Lenardi number uh, that disrespected us in some way. Be one of those things where, oh, we were there. We were right there. We almost had it. This season, no, that was not the case whatsoever. I mean, we honestly were just horrendous. And that's putting it lightly is I have not seen a team play this poorly at all. And I grew up watching UConn basketball in Connecticut. And there were some teams that were awful, but there were also some teams, the Mecca Okafor with Kemba Walker with Shabazz Napier that were spectacular. But even that team, those teams didn't have that sense of safety. They were always playing with a little bit of, we could at any point in time lose this. This team played with safety. They played with the safety on. It felt like they just didn't understand the moment, which I know sounds insane because two of Jim Beheim's sons are on the team, but it felt like they did not understand the repercussions for not playing well. They were like, we will, we're Syracuse. We will always get it. But in reality, that's not, that's not true. You're playing in a made-up imaginary world. 
this world is at any point in time, what you have, you could completely lose. We've seen it in all pro sports leagues. You see it all the time. Last year, the Knicks had that crazy season. where like the four seed and played dynamite this season. They look like a pile of hot garbage. That is what the Knicks are. That's what Syracuse just had happen. But we all knew they were hot garbage. We didn't want to admit it. They didn't want to admit it. They felt, oh, no, we're not hot garbage. We're a a five-star Michelin Michelin five-star restaurant dish, like a nice Wagyu beef. No, they were a burger that got burnt on the stove and then got thrown in the trash and was found being carried away by a New York City rat. That makes no sense, but it comes from a place of emotion where this team was just tragically bad and they didn't see it. They put the blinders on and looked like, oh, we're Syracuse. We're cool. We love the Carrier Dome. We have the most students in a student section and one game at any point in history for any team. We sold out the Dome. We set records. We're going to be great. And we sucked. And the worst part is, as as bad as these late game mistakes have been, and you know that the um, the Bill Parcells ism that you are, what your record says you are, right? But if you look back at several of these losses, both Miami games, the first Wake game, uh, the Virginia game, the North Carolina game, there's six, seven-ish games that Syracuse was right there down the stretch of games and made a couple of bad plays in the final minutes to not earn those wins. Then you look at at Pittsburgh, at Georgetown, at Colgate, or I'm sorry, Colgate at home, um, three bad teams. Teams that Syracuse is better than, even though the Syracuse isn't very good. And you had double-digit leads on all of those teams and lost to each of them. So now you're up to about 10 games. 10 games that you could argue that Syracuse perhaps should have won. If you take the th- if you take the three where they ended up losing to the bad teams out of it, and just look at the other seven. If Syracuse even goes three and four, four and three. If they go four and three in those seven instead of essentially zero and seven, right? Then instead of fifteen and sixteen, they are nineteen and twelve. If I'm doing that correctly, I believe that's correct. So take four losses away gives you twelve. Add four wins gets you to nineteen. So you're nineteen and twelve. Now that's still probably not a team that's in the tournament. Uh, because Syracuse's resume and with those three losses and, and everything else, but you're at least going to be in, in somewhat of the discussion because you're Syracuse and 19 and 12 while disappointing is still a lot better than 15 and 16. Now you take that 19 and 12 and say, you don't find a way to fumble over yourself and lose double-digit leads to three teams that you should beat handily. And you're 22 and nine. Now you're right in the tournament, right? So yeah, this is a bad season and you are what your record says you are, but 
it's slightly misleading because of the way that those games turned out. But that's also where some of these flaws that we've discussed, that's where they come back to bite you. And they are highlighted exponentially because in late game situations, teams are going to try to force you to do the things that you're not good at. And that's exactly what happened in this Miami game. That said, I want to turn our attention to the ACC tournament and Syracuse's first game against Florida State. Could be their only game. We don't know that yet. But the one thing I'll say about this, about this game is both Syracuse Florida State games were close. Both games, Syracuse had opportunities to win. In the first game, they made plays down the stretch. In the second game, they did not. Each team won on the other's home floor. Now you're playing in a neutral court. Here's the difference. Florida State's been playing well lately. Syracuse actually has been playing well the last two games as well. If you, if you take, if you look at the last four and you even the last five and you remove the Duke game, Syracuse actually has been playing pretty well. They should have won at North Carolina. They should, they had a, an opportunity to win against Notre Dame. Even if you were in the first 20 points of the Duke game, we played well. <laughs> right. That was, that was 31 to nine before you could even yeah. blink. And from remove- that point on, Remove that that scoreline difference. That is a 22-point difference. Get rid of that. We lose by like three or four. I mean, if Syracuse does find a way to, to beat Florida State, I really think that the ACC should start off Syracuse up 25. Let's yeah. see if Duke, if Duke is that good. Now let's see a win. Whatever Syracuse the overall, whatever the, the plus minus is, we should start with the plus. Like yeah. we should automatically be given that number, whether it be 74, like I think it should be, or whether it be two, we start with that number. <laughs> Let's make it interesting, right? Why not? So anyway, this game fascinates me as far as the mental aspect of how Syracuse approaches this. Because all season, we can discuss all the flaws of this team. They've given you everything they've had every game. Mentally, they have bounced back extremely well every game. Every crushing defeat, every late game collapse, They have bounced back and turned it around and pretended it didn't happen and given you everything they had again the next game. This feels a little bit different than like the first time that they lost a big lead against Miami or the first wake game when they couldn't inbound the ball or what happened at the end of the North Carolina game. This felt a little bit different in that would it really surprise anyone if Syracuse showed up to the ACC tournament game against Florida State and was just flat because they're still recovering from that emotional loss with all of the pomp and circumstance of it being Buddy and Jimmy's final game in the Dome? They control the whole game and lose in that fashion. Would it really really be that stunning if they couldn't mentally bounce back from that and Florida State runs them off the, out, of the, out of the gym? I don't think that would really stun anyone. On the flip side of that, it's in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. That's not too far from here, from Syracuse, as we know. And Syracuse usually has pretty good fan support in conference tournaments that are down in New York City area, as we remember from some of those legendary Big East tournament moments. It also wouldn't surprise me if Syracuse came out and played their butts off and it was a close competitive game right down to the end. So I am so fascinated because it could go in so many ways and it's like it could go from one extreme or to the other extreme that 
I just have no idea what to expect. And it's kind of the first time all season where I really have absolutely no idea what to expect. There is, I have no idea what to expect, but you know what I'm looking at in this game? There is only one thing I'm looking at, Mike. Can you tell me what that one thing is? I'm going to guess who has the most points. <laughs> yes, but outside of that, I am I'll looking see, at, I got nothing. I'm looking at a, a single person, one singular person. His name is not Joe Girard. It is not Patty Casey, sadly. I'm looking at uh, Jackson Thomas Behan, Buddy Behan. That's what I'm looking at. I was going to go Chaz Owen, so good call. Chaz Owen's is a good shout. So would uh, there's a lot of good options there. Personally, I would have gone. Yeah, I would have gone. Chris Lavelle is a good one. Um, Arthur Cordes would have been great. But Jackson Thomas Behan, buddy, number 35. This is him. We always there's always the jokes about this is March, and we had a moment today where I believe Chattanooga won on a buzz a wild half court buzzer beater uh, to win their the SoCon tournament. It was amazing. Um, it was spectacular to watch. From I believe David Jean Baptiste is his name. This is when this is March. This is when the the cake gets made. This is when everything gets made. This is when you become diamond. This is when your name gets etched in history. We saw it last year with him where he went ballistic in the tournament. I mean, he had games where he was hitting shots from everywhere, fading away, one foot, half his body turned to the basket. I, he may have made five shots with his back to the basket, for all I know. I mean, he was having one of those tournament runs where you cannot stop him. And that is the Buddy Beheim we thought we were going to get this season. We honestly have not seen that Buddy Beheim almost at all. In terms of his game log, the most points he scored, I believe, this season were 30. I Yes, he scored 30 twice, I believe. He scored it, obviously, against Miami. He put up a cool 30 against, I believe, Wake. Yes, um, it was Wake in the Dome. Yes. And that's it. In all honesty, in the best way possible, I kind of expected more from him. Um, in the tournament last year alone against UVA, he put up 31. Again, San Diego State, he put up 30. I kind of lean towards, I I would want a big game from him. I want a game where he drops 30-something. Even if it's the last game of his career, he went out with a 30-piece in the Dome. That's great. I want a 35-piece in the Barclays Center. I That is what I'm looking at. Is this, is this game... In all honesty, the best way possible, and you can shout out me, Syracuse fans, if you're listening this far into the episode, I don't care if we're going to lose right now. That's where I'm at. I think we deserve to lose for how we've played. But the one thing I want is for this kid to go out on top because he has been a stud for us. He, he has not gotten the praise he has or he's deserved throughout the nation when he, like in his college career. He has not gotten the praise he deserves. And this is the game where he should, he, I want to see it. I want to see it here. I want to see it Thursday against Duke. I want to see it against UNC or whoever else we get in the tournament. I want to see magic from him. Even if we don't get to the NCAA tournament itself, even don't crack that 68 team pool. If we don't do it, cool, whatever. I want to see him go out on top like he deserves to. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because, Last year in the AC tournament, and obviously we know that it's 
different because Syracuse going into the ACC tournament last year was a bubble team and they were hoping to make the tournament and, and all of that. And he had a terrific game in Syracuse blew out NC state. And then he had a fantastic game against a really good Virginia team um, where Syracuse lost at the buzzer, but they still ended up making the tournament as you noted, you know, took that right into the NCAA tournament and, and had some fantastic games there as well. So he's proven that when, you know, that gets to the postseason that he can step up his game and, and carry a team. The difference is, the players around him aren't as good as what they were last year. So now they could still beat this Florida state team. I, I think that they, that they're capable of doing that. I just don't think that they're capable of beating that Duke team outside of Duke completely falling flat because all of the pressure with this being coach K's last run is just too much for them to handle as it was in their game against North Carolina. I was so, going to say, they just got absolutely shellacked by North Carolina at home in the last game of coach K's career at the care at the, at the Cameron indoor stadium. What happens if they come into this game, they go in against Syracuse in I'm just quickly checking here to make sure their first game after that one. And they get absolutely hammered by Syracuse. What if buddy makes, I don't know, say we go up nine, nothing, or we go six, nothing up real quick. What happens then? Like, what, what would their confidence be? Like, I, I honestly wonder. Again, we discuss all the time. Like, I just said it earlier. This is March. This is the tournament. This is when, like, teams either swing heavily up or heavily down. You've seen teams that should be great. One seeds collapse. We saw Virginia lose as a one seed to UMBCA 16 seed. Literally anything's possible at this point in time. I yes. could honestly see Duke just collapsing they lost at home in coach k's final game at cameron indoor if there's one game on the calendar you should win it is that game that is the only one they would care about if they went one and 30 all season but they won that game that's all that would have mattered but no they lost that game absolutely so we'll we'll see how that goes and then Regardless, um, after the ACC tournament, we will drop another episode and look back on the season, look ahead to next year and, and all the questions to be answered in the offseason. But just three quick notes before uh, we wrap up this episode. Syracuse football got its first class of 2023 commitment in quarterback Lenora Sellers, who plays Ooh. in South Carolina. He was committed to Virginia previously. And when Robert and I and Jason Beck left the Virginia staff and came to Syracuse, Sellers decided to follow them and has committed, recommitted to those coaches, but is now committed to Syracuse. A really nice uh, get for Syracuse. For those that are into the rankings, he's basically looked at as a high three-star prospect, you know, sort of inching up close to that four-star line on basically every recruiting service. So a really nice get for Syracuse on the women's hockey front. The uh, uh, team has made its second NCAA tournament as they won the CHA regular season and the CHA postseason tournament. And that gave them an automatic berth. They will face Quinnipiac on Thursday. And if they win, 
They have the pleasure of getting the number one overall seed, Ohio State, at Ohio State. And the winner of that game would go to the Frozen Four. Mm -hmm. And might I say, Mike, uh, for those who do not know who I am, I am from Cheshire, Connecticut, which is about a 10-minute drive to the Quinnipiac campus. Uh, I grew up with Quinnipiac sports. Um, And yes, it is Quinnipiac. That is how it is said. Uh, it's Quinnipiac Valley, Quinnipiac River, all of that fun jazz. Um, it would please me so greatly to beat Quinnipiac uh, in in women's hockey. I, I cannot stress that enough. Um, the People's United Center uh, on top of the hill of Quinnipiac, on top of, on top of the mark there, Mount Caramel uh, campus. Oh, my. If we could beat that. Oh, oh, that would make me a, a, a happy, happy camper. Uh, I don't know exactly how many they fit in there. I, I currently can't remember, um, but I'm fairly confident. I've had more students in a, a class than they can put in that stadium. And that's not me disrespecting them. That's just me saying they're not good and we're better than them because um, we're awesome. And I, I would love to beat my home my hometown team and and prove to everyone Syracuse is a hockey school because honestly we should be a hockey school at this point. No doubt. No doubt. Or they could be a women's lacrosse school at this it could point. be that as well. Uh, we are that actually. <laughs> I did want to mention that the best team at Syracuse right now is the women's lacrosse program who just had a tremendous come from behind win over number seven, Duke, who was previously undefeated. Duke got out to a nine to two lead after the first quarter and Syracuse outscored them 16 to seven the rest of the way and won 18 to 16. Uh, Syracuse is now only has one loss on the season. That was at Northwestern in a game that Syracuse led by a couple of goals in the final minute. And Northwestern scold, scored a somewhat controversial goal at the end, where the um, there was a play where North where Northwestern girls' stick hit a Syracuse defender's uh, right in the chest, and instead of that being a foul on Northwestern, they called it on Syracuse. Northwestern ends up scoring and sending it in overtime, and then won in overtime. So a little controversy there, but Northwestern is is a, a top five team, so. Um, no shame in losing that game on the road. They're a legitimate national title contender and anyone that is not paying attention to it, I would encourage you to, they have a lot of um, offensive weapons. They can score like crazy. As I said, they just dropped 18 on the top 10 team. Um, they're, they're unbelievably talented. So they, they are clearly the best team up at Syracuse right now. So make sure that you check them out. That'll do it for episode 37 of the believe in Syracuse podcast presented by bet online and Hoffman sausage company for Kyle F. I'm Mike Callister and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Yeah. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.